Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Wow. Praise God, loved ones. I, uh, I think I say this almost every week, and Lord willing, I will continue to say it. I, uh, I love hearing your voices when you sing and pray. It's such a beautiful sound, and it encourages my faith, and I pray that you are encouraged in yours. This is why we don't forsake gathering together, but we stir one another up, and that includes in our praise. Let's open up our Bibles to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. If you do not have a Bible with you, our ushers are coming forward right now. Just put your hand up nice and high, and our ushers are going to put one uh, in your lap. We want you to be able to follow along tonight, but here's the other thing. If you don't have a Bible at home, then please keep that as a free gift for you from us to you so you can continue to study God's Word at home. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7, and here we are in the next message in our series called To the Ends of the Earth, going verse by verse, line by line, through the beautiful, challenging, and just incredible book of Acts. And you'll notice a theme that is tethered all throughout the book. Started in 1-1, and we'll go to the end of Acts chapter 28. There's one theme that everything is tethered to, and that is the theme of witness. Witness. What are we talking about when we say witness? Don't forget, here's the key verse in the book of Acts that actually outlines the entire book. Acts 1-8, where Jesus is just about to ascend. This is his last commission for the disciples, and he says, But you will receive power. Supernatural power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, why does Jesus give us this power? It's very important we understand this. He tells us why he's given us the Holy Spirit in the text. Do you see it right there? You will receive power for this purpose. To be my what? Witnesses. To be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. Now, remember, a witness is one who is unafraid to proclaim the person and work of Jesus Christ, that is the gospel. Unafraid to proclaim the person and work of Jesus and is actually so convinced of its truth, they are willing to die so that others may live. Isn't that the life of Jesus? Willing to die so that others may live. Others in this room right now. Praise the Lord for our Savior. And, and here's, here's what we need to see. Here's the truth we need to see. If you are saved in Jesus Christ, that means you are a true Christian. You've repented of your sin. You've confessed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, believing he is who he says he is as the Son of God, the mediator between God and man, who came to earth as fully God and fully man and lived a perfect life of no sin and died to pay the penalty for your sin and mine upon the cross, taking on the wrath of God, the wrath that you and I deserve in our place, dying and three days later rising, defeating sin and death. And now if you believe in him, repenting of your sin and confessing him as Lord. You will be saved and you are a true Christian. And here's the truth for each of us. If you're saved, your calling is to be his witness in two ways. Two ways. Number one, on our lips as we declare the gospel. We share the gospel. We preach the gospel. Like what just happened right there? We declare it on our lips, the person and work of Jesus. But that doesn't stop there. We live in a world, don't you notice this, loved ones? We live in a world where talk is cheap. You ever notice that? Otherwise, fake news wouldn't exist. And you can go on and on and on. Talk is cheap. We declare the gospel, but we don't just talk it. We live it as the proof of the transforming work of Christ in our lives. We demonstrate the gospel. We demonstrate the life of Jesus by his power at work in us. And here's the truth we need to see right from Acts chapter 6 here. There is perhaps no other demonstration that gives a clearer picture of the gospel to this world around us and to each other of the Savior and the life he lived, and here it is, than living the life of service. 
service. You say, how? How is that one of the greatest pictures of Jesus? Well, let's go back to the words of Jesus Christ right here, Mark 10, 45, telling his disciples, here they are posturing for position. Who's the greatest disciple? And Jesus just puts that argument to rest. This is like a mic drop moment right here. And he says this, even the Son of Man, that is, even myself, the Lord, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ, came not to be served. If there's anyone who could claim service to him, it was our King. But notice this, notice it. He didn't come to be served, but to do what? Serve, serve. And so much so to give his life, seeing it poured out as a ransom, paying the penalty you and I deserve on that cross for many. A ransom for many. And here's what this means for us. If you're not saved, In Christ, if you've never confessed him as your Lord, you do not have peace with God. There's only one way to saving faith in the Father, and that is through Jesus Christ. And he gave his life as a ransom for you in the greatest act of service of all time. Will you come to him today? When you hear his voice, don't harden your heart today. And today can be the day of your salvation, Scripture says. Awesome. But for those of us who've made that decision, here's what this means for us. This truth right here from Mark 10. And we'll see today. If we're saved in Christ, you are saved to serve. I'll say it again. Just look at the words of the Savior himself, the one we are called to be witnesses of and to imitate. If you are saved in Jesus Christ, you are not saved to sit on the sidelines. Neither am I. You are saved to serve and to give our lives for many that others may live. You can't escape it. Jesus laid his life down for the church. And this is why, right here, what we're going to see today, the witness community is a community of gospel service. The witness community is a community of service. Laying our lives down for one another as Christ laid down his life for his church. But here's the problem. You've already sensed it, as have I. As you see that, that's not a comfortable verse, is it? We fight against, in our flesh, laying our lives down for the church to be built up that others may live. We often live with a wrong view of serving in the church. We look at it more as a convenience or time issue. You know, when I get extra time, then I'll serve. When it just kind of fits into my schedule and I don't have to discipline myself to keep it a priority, then I'll serve. Mm -mm. It's not primarily a time issue, though, or convenience issue. It's not primarily a preference issue. Or we say, well, I'll serve when that ministry I want to serve in is offered. It's not primarily a preference issue. It's, it's not actually primarily a value issue in and of itself. Well, I'm not getting paid, so therefore I'll just give my leftovers to God. I don't know. Listen to this. When we look at the life of Jesus, we see that serving is a gospel issue. You see it right there, and we'll see it today. Serving is primarily a gospel issue. It's a witness issue. See, here's the thing we want to see today that we'll see from the text in Acts 6. Serving in a church is not simply an act to do. You understand that? It's not simply an act to do. It's a witness to display. I'm going to say it again. Serving in the church. Listen, loved ones, eyes up here. I love that you're writing notes. I just love seeing your eyes, okay? Makes me feel not so lonely up here, right? Serving in the church is primarily not an act to do. It's a witness to display. And what are we displaying? The person and the work of Jesus Christ. And every time you and I make the choice to serve in the church... His life is being displayed through us. 
right heart, the work of the hands, laying it down that others may live. And this is why, big idea for the text today, you'll see it on the screen. To stay faithful in witness, the church must serve together. To stay faithful, it's a gospel issue. To stay faithful in witness, the church must serve together. It's not simply just a few people trying to do everything. We'll see what happens on that today. To stay faithful in witness, the church must serve together, each part doing their part, seeing the body built up. And so here's our context. As Jesus continues to grow, this is a magnificent time for the church, early church, our family history, by the way. As Jesus continues to grow the church and its needs increase, we see the need for service. We see the priorities we must keep in service. And we see the result of God's blessing on service. And Acts 5, here the disciples continue to boldly, faithfully preach the gospel. So much so that Acts 5, 28, if you recall, says that their teaching was filling Jerusalem. Remember, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. First stop. It's filling Jerusalem. And along with this, multitudes of men and women are coming to Christ more than ever before. Acts 5.14. More than ever. The church is booming. God is moving powerfully. Disciples are being made. And now, here's what happens. They are confronted with the inevitable challenge of this. They've been crying out to the Lord, Lord Jesus, build your church and build your church. And he says, okay. And now they face the challenge. What's that? Growth. I mean, how many times do we say Jesus and pray, Jesus, build your church. These are good issues that they're having, but they are issues. Can we agree? They run into the inevitable challenge, and that challenge is growth. Because don't forget, the church is estimated at about 20,000 people at this time. 20,000 people. In this moment right here, in just a few hundred days. And here in our text, we're going to see three critical responses the church must have if it is to stay faithful in its witness as Jesus grows it for his glory. You ready to go? Let's stand honor the authority of God's word. Acts chapter 6, 1 to 7. Let's roll. Nice and loud. Here we go. Seven chosen to serve. Verse 1. Now in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said... It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus, a proselyte of Antioch. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said... Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. All right. First thing we see right here from this incredible text is this. To stay faithful in witness, the church must serve together. Here's the first thing, response we need to have, Hope. We need to recognize the challenge. We need to recognize the challenge, and it is this. Increasing growth means increasing needs. Did you see it in the text? Increasing growth means increasing needs. Here's the question for you and I. Do you see the challenge? Just look around this room right now. Do you see the challenge? Praise the Lord. So do I. So do I. Let's read verse 1 again. We'll see it clearly. Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. 
we got a problem here. In spite of the opposition coming against it that we've seen since chapter 2, the church is continuing to grow and a challenge arises from within the church. The Hellenists complain. The word complain there means grumbling. Man, I'm so thankful the church has no issue with grumbling today. Wow. All right, here we go. They grumble. They complain that their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution of provisions. Now, what is this? This is food and provisions given each day for widows who had no husbands, obviously, but they also had no family to look after them, and they couldn't make any money. They were in total need. It's not like, hey, I got a job on the side, and then I'll just go purge off the church, too. They had complete dependency on the church to meet the need. Now let's get some clarity. What, what does that term mean, Hellenists? It means these are Greek. You'll see it at the bottom of your Bible if you see a little number one there. It is Greek-speaking Jews. They're called Grecian Jews. Those who spoke only Greek. And they lived the Greek lifestyle. They were from outside of Israel in a place called, from the place called the Diaspora. They were part of this group of Jews from the Diaspora who had been dispersed from the Exile. From the exile, you had the Babylonians, right? 586, 598. And they, they had lived in these cultures where they actually had become, before coming to Jesus Christ, they become syncretistic and polytheistic in their worship, where they're worshiping multiple gods. But then they get saved. After they had resettled in Israel, they're back now and they settled in Jerusalem, they heard the gospel. And now they're worshiping the one true God. Um, but they're suspect in the eyes of the Hebrews. You see that? The Hebrews, the Hebraic Jews who were from Israel, who held to the preferred, quote unquote, lifestyle of Jewish culture and spoke Hebrew and Aramaic. And so you've got this, these two cultures colliding on a collision course. And without the Holy Spirit, there's going to be trouble. Just look around our world today. There's going to be trouble, and there's tension. But we need to be clear on something here, loved ones. The apostles weren't doing this deliberately. They're not deliberately neglecting these widows that they're charged before God to care for. They're not deliberately neglecting them. They weren't showing favoritism or partiality or purposely neglecting these women in the church. Rather, listen, 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 here. These women have inadvertently been overlooked due, here it is, to the increasing demands being made on the apostles in shepherding and leading the church. Here's what this means. They couldn't meet every need people had. And what we have to realize right here is it wasn't sin that was the ultimate issue. It was human limitation. It's not showing partiality. It wasn't sin. It was human limitation. It's not that they didn't love or care for them. Because here's what we need to, here's what we need to understand, what we see from verse 1. Don't skip past it. Um, believe it or not, loved ones, church leaders are human. They're not bulletproof. Like, they're not human. <laughs> Just pack that in. There we go. Church leaders are human. <laughs> Can we get that straight? Can we get that straight? Okay, we're human. Praise God. Thank <laughs> you, Lord. All right. They're, they're, they're human. And there's just an increasing number in the flock to care for. And there's only so much of them to go around. So just live in the text. Put yourself in the apostles' shoes. You're one of the twelve. And God, by his grace, has grown the church from twelve, you, where you could meet every need and know what's going on in everybody's life, to, by his grace, to over 20,000 of you in a very short time. Think they might run into some issues? Think human limitation's gonna kick in? 
Yes, it will. And you are entrusted with the responsibility by God of shepherding, teaching, protecting, praying, and caring, and meeting the needs of the church. And here's what we must understand. Taking care of every person in the start of the church, 12 people, was much easier than it was right now. You know, it got me thinking, we just recently, by God's grace, had our sixth anniversary. And I, yeah, praise the Lord indeed, all by his grace. But I will say, um, when this church was six people, myself and my five family members, <laughs> it was a lot easier to meet the needs. Now, by the grace of God, there's well over that. People online, people in here, by God's grace. And this is, this is we have to recognize the challenge. This is one of the major challenges of growth in the church. Incre- you'll see it on the screen. Increasing growth will always lead to increasing needs. And so we pray for Jesus to build his church. Yes, we should. But it means increasing needs in the church. See, as the Lord is growing the church here at Hope Ottawa, are we recognizing the challenge? Are we seeing it? Saying there's only so much to go around here. See, to stay faithful and witness, the church must serve together. And it starts by recognizing the challenge that increasing growth leads to increasing needs. And with this, we see this right here in verses 2 to 4. To stay faithful in witness, we must serve together right here by retaining the priorities. Retaining the priorities. Note this, loved ones. Prayer and the word cannot be compromised. Prayer and the ministry of the word cannot be compromised, will you keep the priorities? Will you individually and us corporately? Let's go back to the text, verses 2 to 4. I love this. And the 12, so there's this problem. They've got an issue. And now the 12, they summoned the full number of disciples and said this, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men. Oh, by the way, that word brothers there means, the Greek word means brothers and sisters. They're taking it to the church. Everybody's in. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to ministry of the word. See, upon hearing about this unmet need with the Hellenistic Jews, and seeing the opportunity. Do you see the opportunity for Satan to work now? See it? Here comes the grumbling. The opportunity that it gave Satan to create conflict and disunity in the church. The apostles, then they bring everybody together, and in humility, notice what they admit. I love this. Humility in the leadership. They admit they can't meet all the needs and they need help. Praise the Lord for humble leadership. They can't meet all the needs. They need help. And they come up with the strategy under the wisdom of the Holy Spirit of choosing seven faithful men who had, did you see the qualifications? Did you see them? To serve the tables. Watch this. They had good reputations, verse 3, in the church. That means they were known and plugged into the life of the church. They were known and plugged in to the life of the church. Number two, they demonstrated a life, right from the text, that was full of the Spirit. It means they were Christians filled with the Spirit of God. The word fill there means to literally permeate one. Just permeating how they speak and how they think and how they act. They see the fruit of the Spirit. There's a hunger for the Lord. There's a humility before the Lord. There's a life of increasing purity and love and self-control and gentleness and reverence and convictions on God's Word that are not compromised. A life full of the Spirit. You want that life? I want that life. Full of the Spirit of God. 
And notice, that, what else? Number three, they were full of wisdom. Greek word for wisdom there means they had skill in managing affairs. Wisdom is knowledge rightly applied. So they have skill in managing affairs. They had a fear of the Lord where all wisdom begins. And did you notice those qualifications right there? You'll see the same things back in Exodus 18 when Jethro's telling Moses who to pick. You'll see the same things in Titus chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 3 when you're looking at leaders in the church and elders, the qualifications there. Do you know who all of those qualifications point to? Do you see the life of Jesus right there? Filled with the Holy Spirit. The, literally, the, he is the wisdom of God personified. Filled with wisdom. Devoted. Was there any person alive who was more devoted to prayer and ministry of the word than Jesus? He literally was the word of God. Kind of hard to top it. You see the life of Christ right there? Who is displaying Christ-likeness? Choose them. Over time. And did you see? Did you see, loved ones? These were the ones who God called to serve the tables. And it showed that serving the widows, the, the ministry of hospitality, was a very high calling. We can tend to think of that and be like, oh, it's just serving a table. It's not high calling. Really? Did you see who he needed called? Oh, you must might be running a cable. It's just not a high call. Really? I beg to differ. The word of God begs to differ with you just holding a baby in the nursery really this was serving food that's holding a soul it's a high call and so they would appoint these men over this task to see it done faithfully to help meet the need without the apostles compromising did you see it without the apostles compromising or distracted from what was most important priority for them to continue doing if the church was to stay healthy. This is why in verse 2, they say this, it is not right that we should do that. The term there, the Greek term not right means, literally, it would not be pleasing in the sight of God. They're not looking down on serving the tables. Like, we're way above that. That's so below. No, it's like literally, it would not be pleasing in the sight of God. It would be hindering the growth of the church for them to give up preaching of the word of God to try to meet the needs of all these people on their own. Why? Loved ones, we have to understand this right here. Lock in. Because prayer and preaching the word, here it is, was the primary calling God had given to them. And the highest priority for them to fulfill as pastors and elders in the church. It was then and it is today. It is today. They're not saying, hear this. It's not saying this compassion ministry isn't important. We're too good for it. No, no, no. It's not a question of importance. Eyes up here. Listen to this. It's not a question of importance. It's a question of calling. Say it again. It's not a question of importance. It's very important. Those need to be met. It's a question of calling. See, the apostles perceived and understood this, what John Stott said. This is a very convicting quote from John Stott. You'll see it on the screen. Having failed to overcome the church by either persecution, that's this member, the Sanhedrin, throwing them in jail, beating the apostles, charging them not to preach the, the true gospel, or corruption, remember sin from within, Ananias and Sapphira, start of Acts 5, the devil now tried distraction. Here he comes again. Oh, now isn't it just like the devil to use the growth of the church, something that is to be celebrated, to twist it and try to bring it down? I'll give you so many needs that you can't meet that I'll make sure people grumble and complain to take down the church. Wow. Wow. He tries distraction. See, if he could preoccupy the apostles with social administration, which, though essential, was not their calling, they would neglect their God-given responsibilities to pray and to preach. And so leave, listen, hear this, hear this warning today. And so leave the church without any defense against false doctrine. 
And it's over when that doctrine gets in the church. Distraction. This is why I think it was A.W. Tozer who said, the devil doesn't have to destroy a Christian to render them ineffective. He just has to distract them. Where are you distracted right now? See, this is why they say in verse 4, go back to the text. They say we will devote ourselves. That means to persist and be steadfast and stay in a fixed direction. To it means to continue to do something with intense effort despite any difficulties. See, they would continue to fulfill their calling by serving the people through unceasing prayer and through preaching and teaching and counseling and equipping from the word of God and equipping the saints in the word of God and others would fulfill their calling and use their gifts to serve the widows among them. So here's the question it comes down to, church, that we face from these three verses right here in 2 to 4. Do you as an individual and do we as a church truly believe that it is through prayer and the word of God from which the work of God overflows into everything else. Do you as an individual, and we, because it shapes everything about how we view serving, do you as an individual and do we corporately as a church truly believe that it is through prayer, the word of God, by the spirit of God, from which the work of God overflows into everything else? Without sound doctrine, what health do you think we will have? And you can just look around the church landscape today and see the devastating effects of distraction. Do you and do we see these as things to uphold, to protect and keep as our highest priorities? Why do we devote, why do we devote to this? Right here. Because you can't compromise on prayer and the word and expect to still have a gospel-growing church. You can't. It won't happen. See, quite often, we want to see the fruits of gospel priorities, don't we? We want to see the fruits. The unity in the church. Yes, we want unity. We want to see salvations. We want to see baptisms. We want to see humility. We want to see holiness. We want children. You want to see children fired up for the Lord and hope kids right now? Fire enough for you saw that youth video. You want to see that generation walking in a fear of the Lord? Come on. I doubt anyone in this room would be like, nah, not for me. Really? We want to see it. We want to see forgiveness and reconciliation and fellowship, right? We want to see all these things. And yet, quite often, quite often, we complain when the priorities clash with our preferences of what we want in some other way. Be careful. Be careful, church. See, this is why, as E.M. Bounds said, he said, the devil just laughs at prayerless preaching. He just laughs. He wants me and whoever else gets in this pulpit to get up here not having met with the Lord every week. Because there's no power. This is why he laughs at prayerless small group leading. Prayerless counseling, prayerless training, and equipping the saints in God's word. Why? Because if there's no scripture-fed, spirit-led prayer, there's no power. And it's not threatening to them. Loved ones, we must be convinced it is prayer in the word of God through the spirit of God that does the work of God. Or we will not retain as our highest priority and that of our leadership, prayer and ministry of the word. Loved ones, hear the exhortation from Acts 6 right now. Do not neglect the very things that give the life to the ministry. In your homes, with your kids, in your marriage, and in the church. Don't neglect them. Retain the priorities. Gospel faithfulness, faithful witness depends on it. See, the pastor, the elders, are not called to be ball hogs. I tell our leaders this all the time. I am not called to be a ball hog. To go to every meeting, make every single call, do every task, make every pastoral visit, set up every meal train. This is meal train church. <laughs> go to every single event all the time. 
and then, and then be expected to preach knockout sermons every week. It's not possible. I'm just human. Kevin is just human. Why? Because, because here's the thing, the danger. If this happens and that expectation starts to roll, then the capacity for the church's growth is dependent on the capacity of the pastor. Do you want that? I don't want that. And trust me, you don't want that. It depends on the capacity of the pastor. How far can he stretch? That's how far the church can go. That's how far the witness goes. And the gospel witness gets hindered. Loved ones, will you keep the priorities and help others keep them as well? Just like the church is doing here. They're helping each other keep the priorities. Everybody's in. You notice it? Everybody's in. We're going to get these men because we know prayer in the word is the priority. We're going to do whatever it takes to step up and step in. So lastly, leads to this. To stay faithful and witness, the church must serve together, recognizing the challenge. Increasing growth means increasing needs. Retaining the priorities. Prayer and the word can't be compromised. As a result, the church must serve together. We see right here, if we're going to stay faithful and witness, final point today, by responding by faith. Responding by faith. Verses 5 to 7. Loved ones, hear this. Faithful multiplication leads to gospel advancement. I'll say it again. Faithful multiplication leads to gospel advancement. Challenge for us. Ready? Will you and I respond in faith? Will we respond in faith to see that happen? Look at 5 to 6. Go back to the text. This is amazing. We'll just like highlight this whole section. So good. And what they said, that is what the apostles said, pleased the whole gathering and they chose. Stephen, we'll hear more about Stephen, Lord willing, next week. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicolaus. We're going to have a test on those names after. A proselyte of Antioch. Proselyte means a Jewish convert. A convert to Judaism. A Gentile who converted. These they set before the apostles. And look, and they pr- what a beautiful moment in the church. And they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. See, in response to the apostles' instruction, the believers, the church, chooses the seven men who will serve to meet the ministry need. And they set them before the apostles, who then pray over them and lay hands on them, which was, this is called a commissioning service, which displays the affirmation of the elders and apostles and commissioning these men for serving in that capacity. They're actually bestowing the authority, the apostolic authority they had, they're bestowing authority on these seven men to oversee this ministry. And I want you to notice something. Maybe you didn't pick this up because the first few times that I had read this years ago, I never picked this up. Maybe that's the same here today. Every one of these men selected had a Greek name. That's amazing. Look at the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We got a problem with the Hellenists. All right, guess what we're gonna do? Every one of them selected had a Greek name. That's beautiful. What wisdom of God. It means they were Hellenists. And they had a connection with and could speak the language of the Greek-speaking widows. Beautiful. Beautiful. And they were much better suited for the task than even the apostles were. Isn't that beautiful? This is why you don't want your leader, your elders, your pastor to do everything because there's people equipped to meet needs that they couldn't. And God's brought you and I here to be a part of that. That's beautiful. There is so much love and wisdom in this selection. And notice, notice how they selected them. It wasn't just plug and play. Hey, you've been around for a while. You've got breath. Where you go? Get in there. No, no. At least look at, look at. It wasn't just plug and play. They said, who's got the good reputation? Who's been around? Who's been evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Who's a true Christian serving this capacity? Who's walking in wisdom and has skills in managing these things? They prayed about it. They talked about it. They got known and loved. And same in this church today. This is why we do serving applications. When you're like, I want to step in to serve, we fill out an application. It's not to create paperwork for Laura. This is like digital. I'm old school. I like paper. 
but it's not to create more work for her. There's a reason. Because when we hear your testimony and we see how you've been serving and we pray over you, it's not just plug and play all over the place. It's like, where is the Lord calling this man or this woman or this child to serve him faithfully? That's why we do it. It's right here. Discernment needed. And aside from here, you notice this? We know nothing else about any of these men except for two. Stephen, who we'll see, Lord willing, next week, Acts 6, 9 to 7, 60, who was an evangelist and he actually became the first martyr, Christian martyr, whose death began the spread of the gospel beyond Jerusalem. We'll get to part two in our next preaching year. And we know Philip from Acts 8, 4 to 24, who was an evangelist and who God used to spread the gospel to Africa. Praise the Lord. But notice the important leadership principle right here. Don't miss it. Did you see it in the text? Before, okay, before God ever called them to take the gospel to the nations, to stand before rulers as Stephen will, next chapter, he called them to serve tables. It's not less importance, but notice, it's less prominence. It's less prominence. Out of the way, behind the scenes, can you be faithful to serve soup? Can you be faithful to make sure those widows have all that they need when you're not in front of anybody? See, this is where the behind the scenes is where the character and convictions are forged and refined and where humility is deepened and trustworthiness is seen. When you look around the church today, all across this nation, around the world, so many of us right here, maybe some of us even in this room, we want the calling of the platform without the character of the prostrate to sustain it. It's my biggest concern for up-and-coming leaders. They want the calling of the platform, but they don't have the character of the prostrate, the humble, that will sustain it. And a lot of people get hurt. Because instead of using the sheep, instead of loving the sheep, you use them for your own glory. Pray. Pray, loved ones. And so what's a result here of the multiplied servants? Look at verse 7 as we close out right here. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Watch this. You see it on the screen. Write this down. Multiplied servants for Christ led to gospel advancement through Christ. Multiplied servants for Christ. I'm stepping in. There's the need. I'm in. What do you need? Led to gospel advancement through Christ. Faithful witnesses at church grew as they served together. And I want you to notice verse 7. Notice where it says a great many of the priests. That's incredible. Who are these guys? These were Jewish priests who at first hated the gospel. These were the priests who were opposing the church. They were coming at them. They were cheering when Jesus was crucified. And they were some of the biggest enemies of the believers at the start of the church. And yet, as a result of believers stepping up to serve in the power of the Holy Spirit, so the gospel was allowed to continue to move forward unhindered through preaching and prayer, notice this. That fuels their witness, and hardest hearts were penetrated, and the Lord did what was humanly impossible by bringing them to himself. That is awesome. That's why we serve. It's not to plug and play a role. It's not to say, well, I'll check my little box and do this. The gospel's at stake, loved ones. The witness of the church is at stake. This is why that others may live. That others may live. See, the church, loved ones, notice, notice this. Kingdom mathematics. Did you catch it? In three and four, watch, kingdom mathematics. I used to be a math teacher. I love this stuff. Acts 6.3, equip the saints. 
plus Acts 6-4, devoted to prayer and ministry of the word, equals Acts 6-7. Multiplication, and the word of God increases. Acts 6-3 plus Acts 6-4 gives Acts 6-7. Every time. And this isn't limited to the book of Acts. You see it again and again and again all throughout the New Testament. See, the church is not called to be a cruise ship, but a battleship. All hands on deck. Not a few people serving and others just consuming. All hands on deck. Not 20% of people doing 80% of the work. Lord, help us. Mm -mm. And you may think this. You may look at this and you'll be like, well, it's only serving tables. Like, what do you mean God used it like that? It's only serving tables. How could the Lord use that? It seems so insignificant. Loved ones, remember this quote. I've been so blessed by this time and time again. There is no insignificant role in the kingdom of heaven. There is no insignificant role in the kingdom of heaven. Faithfulness is always multiplied. Faithfulness, showing up, saying, I'm going to humble myself. Where are the needs? I'm in. It will be multiplied. The Holy Spirit will see to that. And it's not from, listen, it's not stepping in from this grumbled hesitancy. Well, I guess I better serve because this guy, the word and all this stuff. It's not from a grateful hesitancy, but serving from a grateful expectancy. It's not a grumbled hesitancy. It's not a I have to. It's a I get to. Because Jesus laid his life down for me. I don't even deserve to serve in his church. I don't even deserve the privilege. And it is a privilege. Whether you're running a cable, setting up a chair, preaching a sermon, hitting the sticks on the drum, whatever it is, Hope Ottawa, and I was thinking about so many of you doing this. On behalf of our elders, I just want to say thank you. It's beautiful to see the witness community of service in this church. Production and setup, running cables, setting chairs, coming early every week so people can hear the gospel. God's using it. God is using it. You can't look at this church over the last even three weeks and be like, no, God's not using it. Really? Really? Just go back and watch. Look around here today. Parking guys. You know, we had a visitor on our Good Friday service come up. He was invited by a person who attends here. Came in and this friend asked, how was it? He goes, I can't get over how nice these people are here. I can't get over how welcoming they are from the guy right in the parking lot. Hey. Just love hearing the testimonies of parents. My kids just love coming to Hope Kids. They can't wait to get there, to hear the gospel. You know, and now seeing children who were in Hope Kids now wanting to serve because they see their parents pouring their lives out. It's much more caught than taught. And now they step in. You see Hope Youth People stepped up to serve in Hope Youth. God gave us a youth ministry, and lives are being changed at Hope Youth. And we had double the amount of kids this past Wednesday we had the week before. That's a work of the Lord. When people step in, he's like, here you go. It's, you think it's a coincidence that as more people stepped up to serve in Hope Kids, God has now given us, I think, the greatest number of children we've ever had. There's a reason for it. It increases. You want to step in? I'll show you the increase. Acts 6.3 plus Acts 6.4 equals Acts 6.7. And now more lives get to hear the gospel and be changed for God's glory. Will you respond in faith? Thank you, loved ones. Faithful multiplication leads to gospel advancement. Here's the challenge. Will you respond in faith? Are you willing to step into the ministry opportunity, the needs that are around you in this church, and they are only growing by the grace of God? Increasing growth means increasing needs. This is what happens when Jesus builds his church. To see the word of God continue to multiply in the lives of the people of this church and the many lost that God will call to himself through it, 
Remember our big idea, loved ones, as we close out. To stay faithful in witness, the church must serve together. Must serve together. Recognizing the challenge. Increasing growth means increasing needs. Retaining the priorities. Prayer and the word cannot be compromised. And responding by faith. Look, look around this look, Just look around this church. The needs are great and growing, and we praise the Lord for this, but will he find us? Will he find you faithful? And you say, I don't know what I can do. Here, here, here's the best advice I can give right now. Be humble and try something. And trust in God's sovereignty. He's going to lead. He's gifted you in ways that he's not gifted me. He's not gifted anyone else. He's gifted you, and he's called you to be here. Don't waste it. The gospel's hindered when the community doesn't serve together. It's a gospel issue. It's not just a call out for volunteers. It's a call to the gospel. Gospel demonstration. Sign up online. Attend step two. Get in there. There are great days ahead. Let's go, church, together. Let's pray. Lord, uh, your word is so clear. It is so good. It is so challenging and so convicting. And God, I, I confess, Lord, it just... The needs are great and growing and you see it. And what a glorious thing for a church to be able to say that as the gospel goes forward, lives are being changed and you are doing what you promised to do in John 12, that you would draw all kinds of men and women to yourself as the sun is lifted up. And we see that happening even in this room right now. And so, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that we would hear this call right now and say, I'm in, Lord. I'm in. I don't know, I don't know what you're going to do, and I see all my limitations and all this stuff. Whatever it takes, Lord, save the lost. I'm willing to do it so that others may live. I'm willing to run the cable. I'm willing to set up the chair. I'm willing to shake the hand. I'm willing to hold the child. I'm willing to play the so that others may live. You are worth it all. May we give our lives, oh Lord, may we never stray as a church, individually or corporately, from living for what matters most, knowing that we will one day see you very soon and we will look into your face and we will regret nothing that we've given up for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you stand and